0: Father, we are thankful that as we gather here this morning, we know that we are worshiping a risen living Savior, and we're thankful for the opportunity today to express to you in song how much we love you and how much we believe you are worth. And I pray now as we open up your word that your Holy Spirit would teach us that you would shape us and mold us into the image of Jesus as we encounter his teachings from your word. It's in his good and holy name I pray, amen. And Amen. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and look with me in Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 20 through 38. I want to share a message with you. The title is a little bit weird, a little bit strange, but I hope you'll hang with me for the first few minutes. I think that we will understand it maybe a little bit better that I want to share a message with you that I've titled, God's K-O-S. And again, we'll define that here in about a half hour or so when I get the introduction done, exactly what that means. If you were to try to understand God, if you were to try to comprehend God, one of the ways that you'd try to do that is you would think of God as it relates to his attributes. You would think about God is love or God is holy or God is just, and one of those attributes that is related to God, we would have to say that God is generous, that if you were to use a series of words to describe God, giving would be one of those words. The most famous verse of scripture, John chapter 3 and verse 16, reminds us that God loved us so much. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son. James reminds us in James chapter one, verse 17, that every good and every perfect gift we enjoy comes to us from above, comes to us from God. Our God is a giving God. Our God is a generous God, and he gives for a purpose. Everything God does, watch, everything God does, He does it for our good and His glory. I'll repeat that. Everything that God does is expressly done for our good, but also for his glory. God blesses us because he loves us, and he wants to use our lives to reflect and show his glory. You see, when God blesses you, When he entrusts you with gifts from his good hand, when he blesses you, he also expects you to be a blessing. This is a transformative principle that's taught from cover to cover in Scripture. In fact, it all starts with with Abraham. Don't worry, we're not going to go from Genesis to Luke, but I just want to pull out one verse from Genesis. Genesis. To where God calls Abraham and look at what God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Abraham, I'm going to bless you to do you good, but I'm also going to bless you to bring me glory. I'm going to bless you so you will be a blessing. You and I who belong to Jesus, we have been entrusted with gifts from God. Our task now with the rest of our lives is to use those gifts for the glory of God. So for the next few weeks, I want to share with you four messages dealing with this idea of entrusted, kind of a a mini short series that I've titled Entrusted, where we can try to understand exactly what that means. What does it mean to receive the gifts from the good hand of God and to use those gifts for the glory of God. Now, one of the best starting points is for us to understand God's operating system when it comes to using gifts from God for the glory of God. See, I was having an issue not too long ago with my iPhone. And so I reached out to Apple and uh, they gave me a call back, and, and I was chatting with this nice lady from Apple who was helping me work through the steps. And she said, Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Let, let me share your screen with me, and here's what you do. I want you to tap settings, I tap settings, tap general, I tap general, tap software update, and there was this thing that appeared called iOS iOS stands for iPhone operating system, okay? So she said, all right, now, Mr. Russell, you've got your iOS that's up. Tell me what it says. I said, it reads, I've got uh, iOS 15. She said, oh, there's the problem. <laughs> she said, we're now at an operating system of 16.4.1, something like that, like the theory of Pi or something. And you need to get your phone updated to the right operating system. This is what she said. She said, when you update to the current iOS, that should fix your issues. And I said, how huh, to preach? <laughs> For you see, God has an operating system. God has an OS when it comes to how we should use our lives as citizens of his kingdom. The problem is that some of us are using a different operating system. We need a divine update that Apple can't provide us to God's KOS, his kingdom operating system. System. Now, part of this conversation, I might as well make you uncomfortable, part of this conversation is going to involve what Scripture says about how we handle our lives. And part of our lives includes our possessions. That's it. That includes your wallet and your purse and your bank account. Now, people get nervous when we start talking about money in church. But did you know that if you were to take the teachings of Jesus on heaven and hell combined, and list them on a sheet of paper, and if you were to then take the teachings of Jesus on our possessions, our purses and our wallets and our bank accounts, on another sheet of paper, that you would see that that sheet of paper is much longer than the other sheet. In other words, Jesus taught more about what we possess more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Why? Because Jesus knows that when it comes to the things we possess, if he doesn't possess us, the things we possess will possess us. And that's why he spent so much time in his three and a half years of teaching focusing on that. The text we're going to read is from a section of Luke's gospel that is called the Sermon on the Plain. It's going to sound familiar to you. It's going to sound like it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's similar, but it's a different sermon that Jesus preached. And right before this sermon, Jesus had just healed a bunch of people. So everyone's talking about Jesus. Everybody wants to be around Jesus. Jesus is tw- he's trending on Twitter. He's maxed out the number of friends he can have on Facebook, and he's picked up a few new followers on TikTok. He is as popular as it gets right now. When he issues these words. And he takes this opportunity to tell people the kind of kingdom that he is building. And he starts by explaining God's kingdom operating system. Luke chapter 6 beginning in verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes and said, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. I've never had a problem liking people I like. (laughs) And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with a measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Real quick, I want to share with you, it's not an exhaustive list. In fact, we're just picking up on three of the principles of God's kingdom operating system. Of how we begin this process of using the blessings, the gifts of God to us for the glory of God to others. Principle number one is this. Jesus teaches us here that there is a difference between prosperity and blessing. There's a difference between prosperity and blessing. The statement Jesus made, back up in verse 20, blessed are you who were poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. That statement shocked the ears of those who were listening to him. Jesus is saying those with nothing can belong to the kingdom of God. Those who possess nothing materially can have everything spiritually. Yes, Scripture teaches that in general, wisdom and blessing and wealth work together. The book of Proverbs is full of that kind of teaching. But scripture also teaches that those who have nothing in this world can have everything in Jesus. You see, in God's economy, The primary blessing he gives us is not material, but it is spiritual. It's not stuff, it is himself. And Jesus said that the poor are blessed because they're more likely to yearn for God. Because when you think that you have all you need outside of God, you're not likely to make room in your life for God. It is better to be materially blessed bankrupt if that's what it takes to put you in a place where you seek God with all of your heart because when you're seeking God with all of your heart that is what makes you spiritually rich blessing is what you find in God not what you get from God there's a difference between prosperity and blessing principle number two You're called to treat others the way that God has treated you. Now, Jesus issued the golden rule, if you caught that back up in chapter 31, one of the most, or verse 31, one of the most well-known teachings of Jesus and just as Jesus' words in verse 20 would have shocked those who heard him teach, so would his words in verse 31. For you see, everything in our flesh wants to do to others what they have done to us. Am I right? If you don't agree with that, you're lying. You need to repent of that this morning, right now. Everything in our flesh. Wants to do to others what they have done to us. But Jesus commands his followers to love other people as we love ourselves, regardless of how we've been treated. It's almost like I wish Jesus would have said somewhere to love your neighbor as yourself and made a great Bible verse. <laughs> then what he's teaching us, <clears throat> what he's calling us to do is to embrace. It's this idea that we treat other people in the way that God has treated us because when we do that, we show ourselves to be children of God because we are acting like God. Sometimes we want to treat the golden rule like it's some kind of karma, some kind of pay-it-forward principle. Do unto others as you want them to do to you, and one day the universe will pay you back because it owes that to you. That's not at all what Jesus is teaching. Jesus means much, much more than that. Jesus is calling us to act like our Father in heaven who is good to people who will never be kind or good to him in return. We don't embrace this principle because it will somehow obligate God to be nice to us. We practice this principle because it will make us more like our Father in heaven. Now look, I know, I admit, it is much easier for me to take my iPhone and to tap a couple of things to get my iPhone back on its right operating system than it is is for me to change my life, to get on God's operating system. But if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, it's God's kingdom operating system that I am to embrace. Principle number three is this you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Go back with me. Let's revisit verses 37 and 38 where Jesus says, judge not, you will not be judged. I don't have time to unpack the the misapplication of that. We'll do that on another series sometime. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give. Ah, We get a little uncomfortable. And it will be given to you, good measure, pressed out, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now Jesus, God, I love this, Jesus uses a farming analogy because most of his listeners were farmers. In that day, one of the ways that a harvester would get paid is that at the end of the week, he would get to take home a basket full of wheat. Now during the week, what this farmer is doing is he's going out to the field, he's filling up his bucket with wheat, and he's carrying it back to where it needs to be, and he's doing that all day long. Well, this bucket, this basket, gets pretty heavy when it gets full of wheat. And so what the farmers would do in Jesus' day is that they, t- just so it's light, they would fill this thing up about halfway, maybe two-thirds of the way because it was so heavy, and they would take it back, they would take it where it needs to be, they'd go back to the field, take it out, back and forth, back and forth until payday and what happened on payday is they got this basket because they got to take home as part of their pay a basket of wheat so when it was time for that basket to come they did what we do at buffets I'm going to show you in a minute They got that wheat and they put the wheat in and they pressed it down and they would step it down and they would shake it all about and they, right foot in, right foot out, and, and they would get everything to where, and they would go back and put more, they put layers and they would shake it down and step in it until that basket was so heavy and it was overflowing from the top just like that so they could take home all that they could in that day. That's why Jesus said, give, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be in your lap. Let me give you another example. Y'all know what this, every Baptist knows what this is. (laughs) take uh, Take home platter. There are two scenarios. Now, I've seen some of you at our church fellowships. All right? When it's time to leave, they like, well, we got some extra. So y'all take home a plate. And some of y'all become masters. It's like you got your PhD in packing. And man, you put the food in there because they're not going to weigh it like the Chinese restaurant, they're not going to weigh it. You put your food in there, and you pack it in, and you put some over here, and you put a little layer, there and you push it down. I've seen some of it. You push it down, and you got that. Then you think, man, there's a, there's an inch of space right there. I go an inch higher, and you get this thing so full that when it's closed, it is bursting at the seams. I mean, it's bursting at the seams, full of things, full of food. Y'all bought a bag of chips lately? the chips don't start till right here. (laughs) A third of that bag is nothing but air. And there's four chips at the bottom of it. (laughs) And that's it. Which, I'll go ahead and meddle. Which of these two scenarios describes your generosity? Some of us will say, you know what? God wants a bag. What is the least amount I can put in the bag and it still be considered a bag? Can I put just a little in the bottom of it and it still be an offering? Can I still call it an offering to God? Or some people approach it by saying, you know what? God has blessed me, and I'm going to pack my giving. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it. I'm going to put as much as I can for the glory of God to give for the kingdom of God. Which scenario? Which scenario describes you? For with the measure you use it, Jesus said, it will be measured back to you. I heard a preacher one time say, you know what? I got uh, to convicted in my heart about my giving to God and I decided, okay, I'm going to shovel a little bit more to God and I would shovel some to God and God shoveled some back to me and I'd shovel some more to God. He said, you know what? God's got a bigger shovel than I do. Paul put it this way, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Related to receiving gifts from God and giving as a way to glorify God. Scripture teaches this simple principle, you reap what you sow, what you reap into your life. I'm not talking about if you give God a dollar, he's going to give you a hundred in your bank account. I'm not talking about that garbage. I'm talking about how God multiplies blessings in your life, how God multiplies his his presence. Sometimes what God does when you give is he doesn't pour back a hundred dollars to every dollar, but he changes your heart and he changes you. Generosity is not something God needs from us. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can sell some cattle and get all he wants. Generosity giving is not for God's benefit. It's for ours. Because you are never more like God than when you give. Because God is a giving God. But God cannot reap what you don't sow. You remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the Hebrew Happy Meal, remember that? <laughs> five loaves of fish, or five bread and five loaves of fish. That's the buffet I was at Friday, to be honest with you, up in Mississippi. Five loaves of bread and two fish. John chapter 6 says that Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish as the disciples gave it away. Jesus Did not take the bread and fish, multiply it to a big pile over here so that it would never run out. What happened is that as the disciples took the bread and the fish from Jesus, he multiplied it right then. Some of you have adopted this attitude. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give when it multiplies. That's putting the cart before the horse. Jesus says you give and you see what I will start doing in your life. Let me short it by saying this. I, there's some other slides. We're going we'll to skip through those next few points. We can continue our time of worship and song. But let me explain it to you in this way. You will always sow in your life much, or you always reap in your life much later than you sow. And we, we are instant gratification people. And if we don't see it immediately, we think it's not worth doing. But Jesus says, I don't know, in in my economy, I pour back into your life later than you sow. in Bible times, when a farmer farmed one season, he didn't get a result until the next season. But God always makes sure that we reap more than we sow. That Jesus talked about when we invest in the kingdom of God, That Jesus puts back into our life a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. He's got a bigger shovel than we have. But you know, you cannot change what's already been reaped in your life, but you can change what will be. See, you reap today what you sowed yesterday. That's true in regards to your money, to your marriage to your career, you are reaping a harvest of things today that you have sown in the past. And there's nothing you can do to change that, but I've got some good news for you this morning. You can change what will be harvested in the future by sowing seeds of obedience today. They say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Today. Start sowing different seeds today so you can reap a different harvest in the future. Our God is a generous giver, He blesses us beyond our ability to explain. Those blessings are for our good and for his glory. So let me ask you this morning, what are you doing in response to the gifts he has given you? Are you following his example by being generous? The best way to be generous is to be generous. The best way to give is to give. The best way to increase your generosity is to increase your generosity. To just do it. Every good gift we have comes to us from God. May we glorify him with the gifts he has given us. And for some of you, that may mean that you start giving. Because you haven't gotten into that practice. Some of you may not have even know. You're a new Christian. You may not have even know that that's part of our spiritual disciplines to become more like Jesus because God is a giver. Some of you know that you ought to, but you just choose not to. Some of you have been prodded by the Holy Spirit to go further. Some of you have never done anything with the gift that Jesus gave you called his son, Jesus Christ. How are you going to respond to that gift? I'll tell you one way we're all going to respond, or at least I am today, is I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to stand and we're going to spend a few more minutes giving worship to God because of the gifts that he's given to us. So, Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you have given to us. Father, if there's one in this place today who has been moved to take a next step to give what you're calling them to give, to give you obedience and baptism, to give you their heart and salvation, to to give you a gift in their offering, to to give you their talent to be used for your honor and glory, would you use this time of invitation when we stand and sing? Would would you move people to, to make that next step, whatever it might be that you're calling them to do? In Jesus' good name I pray, amen.